Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, 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 everyone. How are you? This is Nikki Tobias. Um, I'm a life and business coach with Grounded Vision Coaching and Consulting. Today we're going to have a chat about forgiveness. I've done a bunch of research and I'm interested to share with you and, and hope that I'll hear from you what your thoughts are on the subject of forgiveness. If you are listening live and you'd like to call in, the phone number is 646-716-9397. Again, 646-716-9397. Also, a reminder that you can listen in archive on blogtalkradio.com or uh, on iTunes um, by searching for Life Coach Radio Network or the Life Coach Chat Channel or for any of us hosts on the show. So, as I said, my name is Nikki Tobias. I'm a life and executive coach and the founder of Grounded Vision Coaching and Consulting. I work with people who have a vision for something they want to improve in their lives, but they have trouble achieving that dream. Uh, I have a background in teaching and counseling and administration, nonprofit management, crisis management, and uh, I really work to help clients clarify their vision and overcome the challenges that have been holding them back in order for them to live the lives they've only imagined. I do a fair amount of speaking and and, um, teaching and training uh, throughout my work um, in businesses and and in in smaller groups. And so this is a topic as we face the holidays and um, as we're coming out of an election season. And and frankly, I would argue forgiveness is just a good thing to know how to do and to be uh, thinking about and, and intentional about anytime. And so, of course, I don't feel like you can have a conversation about a topic without talking about what it really means, or at least starting there. And so when you look up um, the word forgive, it's a verb. It's an action, right? I mean, we know that. It's something we have to do. It doesn't just happen. Um, But, you know, that's that's such an important thing to remember, that, that forgiving, the act of forgiving or forgiveness is a verb. It takes effort. And it means to pardon an offense or an offender, to cease to feel resentment against someone, to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. And it also means to cancel a debt. And so I liked that piece about offense, flaw, or mistake because sometimes the person has done it um, has done something that they knew they were doing. So if someone steals something from you, that is very clearly an offense. But I also think that there are times that we end up um, needing to forgive someone or, or asking for forgiveness about a mistake that we've made, something that we didn't know would hurt someone's feelings or, or would be offensive to them. And so I like that differentiation there. There are two main books that 
uh, I want to share with you about this topic. I actually just got them from my library, so um, hopefully you'd be able to, to find them pretty easily. Uh, the first is called Exploring Forgiveness by Enright and North. Um, and so this actually is a really interesting book because each chapter is written by a different author with a different um, perspective on forgiveness. Um, you know, so they have psychologists and psychiatrists, and they have folks um, talking about marriage and family, and they have um, things about forgiveness related to the criminal justice system. So that was a really interesting book. And then the other book um, is called The Book of Forgiving, and it's by Desmond Tutu and his daughter. And this book is actually excellent because there are journal entries in here and exercises you can do. It isn't just a theoretical explanation about forgiving. It actually um, it helps you go into how you can actually do it to to forgive someone else or to forgive yourself. And so I thought that was really interesting. So again, those two books, Exploring Forgiveness by Enright and North, and then the Book of Forgiving by Desmond Tutu and his daughter. So I hope if you're interested in this topic um, or would want to learn more about it that you would uh, maybe check out the, those books. I'm sure there's, you know, plenty, plenty, plenty more resources. Those were just the ones that I thought were the most helpful for our talk today. So starting with Enright North, you know, it's, it's really important that when we think about somebody who's offended us or somebody who has done something illegal to us or taking, taken something from us, that that person may have behaved badly, they made bad choices, they maybe did something wrong, but it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. We have to separate out the actions from the person. And, you know, it I made me think of this phrase about um, having, you know, being offended by someone or holding on to that hate or that anger is like you drinking the poison and expecting that other person to get sick. And in reality, that other person may not even know that, that we're offended or that we're really frustrated with them. So that doesn't work. And even, you know, wishing revenge or retribution on someone, we carry that burden. That other person may not even know that, that we feel that way, or maybe they do know and, and they're not bothered by that. And so in reality, we're just hurting ourselves then. Um, you know, we're not doing anything to fix uh, how we're feeling or how the other person's acting. But when we're able to forgive, we leave that hurt and pain in the past rather than continuing to allow it to hurt us anymore. That a true act of forgiveness is about releasing it. It's about letting that offense go so that we can move forward. And, you know, it's really clear that the offering forgiveness is much more about our own healing than it is about how that other person feels because they're forgiven. So the other person may really appreciate being forgiven and wants to move forward with that relationship. But forgiveness is really about our healing. And as I said earlier, releasing that anger, that frustration, that resentment, that disappointment. So, you know, as I as I began to mention before, the wrongdoer may not know that of the offense. They may not feel like they were wrong or guilty or they may not feel sorry. They may not know that you're hurt or angry or et cetera. And what's really interesting to me about that is that the wrong 
doer isn't experiencing your hurt or anger, they experience their interpretation of your behavior. So let me say that again. The person that you may be frustrated or angry or or upset with, the person that did something that offended you or wronged you, they don't ever actually experience your hurt or your anger or your offense. They experience their interpretation of your behavior. So maybe you start acting really standoffish with them or you ignore them. You don't respond to their communications. Or maybe you're yelling and screaming and swearing at them. Maybe you're crying to them. What they're experiencing is your behavior. They don't even necessarily know why you're behaving the way that you are. Or they've told themselves potentially a different story about your behavior. Perhaps if it's just that you're ignoring the communications, they may not even realize that's happening. So, again, it's like you're drinking that poison and expecting them to be affected by it, but they may have no idea what's happening or their interpretation of the way you're behaving is inaccurate. And it's important for us to remember that we can forgive someone, one, without them knowing that you were even offended, two, without them knowing you forgave them, three, without ever treating them inappropriately, And four, without ever having any communication with them. You may never have to explain to someone that they hurt your feelings or that they offended you. And you may never have to even tell someone that you were offended. Because, again, that's not the point. The point is that you release it. And what's so helpful, so valuable about these little nuggets of wisdom is that the person that you may need to forgive, maybe they've passed on. Maybe they are incarcerated. Maybe they are a stranger to you. So it's entirely possible that you may never see these people to be able to have that conversation with, to share your feelings with, um, to, to offer your forgiveness, to explain why you felt the way that you felt. Forgiveness is not, or it is more than, acceptance or tolerating. It is not forgetting. It is not excusing the wrongdoing. Forgiveness is not acceptance. It's not tolerating. It's not forgetting. And it doesn't excuse the wrongdoing. So in order for you to forgive someone, you don't have to forget. You don't have to pretend that what they did didn't hurt you. But it's about leaving the past in the past and getting on into the present and the future. They talk about three levels of forgiveness, and I loved this idea too. There's cognitive, emotional, and spiritual levels of forgiveness. In a cognitive level of forgiveness, You make the decision to forgive. You make the decision to forgive. In the emotional level of forgiveness, you try to empathize and understand the offender and their struggles and see them as human. So 
that reminds me a lot of of, of legal issues or or someone um, being violent toward another. So maybe um, someone mugged someone else, sexually assaulted them, even murdered them. And perhaps the family chooses that they're going to decide to forgive, right, that cognitive level of forgiveness. And then they really think about where that person was coming from. What, how were they raised? What is their backstory? How might they have felt such desperation that they were violent to another human in the world? I think about my days working in loss prevention. And while I only ever worked in loss prevention at a, at a home product store, one of my old loss prevention partners had worked in loss prevention at a grocery store. And, you know, it's difficult when you're in loss prevention. There's there's lots of rules about what a person has to do to be considered stealing from, from a retail store and, and rules about what you have to see and what you have to do as the loss prevention professional. But he would tell me stories of people who would steal all sorts of steaks and seafood and cigarettes and alcohol and things like that. And, you know, those seem pretty clear-cut. You want to be able to apprehend those folks and to charge them with shoplifting. But he told me a story that really, that really uh, affected him deeply about a woman who stole a very small, generic bottle of cough syrup, kids' cough syrup. And when she was stopped, she explained that she didn't have health insurance and, and she could not afford to go to the doctor or to get the medicine and that her child had been very, very ill for many days. And she just was trying to do anything she could to help that child have peace and rest and comfort. And I believe he said it was a less than a $3 item. And the woman was very, very remorseful, and she was very, very embarrassed. And, you know, that's, that's, a difficult, that's a difficult position to be in. It's much easier to be offended by the person who steals the cigarettes and the alcohol and the steaks and, and um, seafood and things like that because it doesn't feel like a true need. Those are luxuries. That's a wish. And so in this emotional level of forgiveness, my old loss prevention partner could really connect with and go through this process of emotional forgiveness of this woman who really just wanted her young child to feel better. She still had done something wrong. There was still uh, an illegal, perhaps immoral action that happened there but it's a very, very different situation and circumstance. And so that's an example of how you might um, consider the context of a situation and the person's uh, background or current situation in determining that they're acting as humans in the world and trying to do the right thing. Then the third level of forgiveness is spiritual. 
<coughs> which really means turning it over to some higher power or to God. And, and clearly um, the Christian religion talks a lot about forgiveness and um, how, the, how we as Christians are already forgiven um, and that we're just charged with explaining what we've done wrong and, and repenting for that. In this particular book, Exploring Forgiveness, they talk about the five phases of forgiveness. Five phases of forgiveness. The first is identifying the hurt. What's clear here, though, is it's not just the action, right? It's not just that someone cheated on you. It's not just that someone uh, sexually assaulted someone or murdered someone or stole money. It's not just the action, when you identify the hurt, you identify your loss of love or lovability, your loss of control, your loss of influence, your loss of self-esteem. So there's the thing that happened to you or to a friend or family member. But the first step is identifying that hurt. What hurts? What does that feel like to have had that thing happen to you? I've discussed in this show before, I used to work in higher education administration. I used to uh, live and work in, in residence halls and college campuses. And I had been uh, attacked by a young man who was trying to break into a residence hall room. And uh, I happened to be on duty, and I didn't know any of that, but I approached him because he was being loud and, and acting sort of bizarrely. And to make a long story really, really short, he took a hold of me and threw me into a wall, and he was very, very high on drugs, and there was a lot of other things that happened. Um, and we finally ended up having to call the police. The young man was tased several times before they were able to get him in custody, and, and he was taken out by an ambulance and paramedic crew. And I ended up getting diagnosed with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, shortly after that. And... As I was getting treatment for that post-traumatic stress disorder, it was really, really interesting because I did this thing called EMDR, which I, I, I'm a huge proponent of. But in EMDR, you talk through the process, step by step by step, what happened, what happened, what happened, all the facts. You do this, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. You go through that situation um, a few different times so that you experience it in different ways, and then you're able to process what your feelings were in those different steps, in those different um, like stages of the situation that happened. And the PTSD for me was about that feeling like I had a loss of control, feeling like I had a loss of my innocence and that I, my safety was taken from me. And so that was really interesting because the situation in, of, in and of itself, I wasn't um, physically harmed. I, you know, I didn't have broken bones. I wasn't all black and blue. It's nothing like that. But it was the look in his eyes. It was the, the fact that I wasn't able to negotiate with him or to um, talk him down from the level of intensity that he had. And so I really had to own that the hurt for me was about the loss of my innocence, the loss of control, and feeling like I wasn't competent and capable to manage that situation. So that's step one, identifying the hurt. 
step two or phase two really is confronting. So that can be done in person, by phone, or in writing. So you could even write a letter that you never send. So again, if your offender is, is a stranger or they're incarcerated or they have passed away, you may not be able to confront them um, in, in any personal way, but you can write a letter um, that you either send to them or that maybe you never send that explains what they've done and how it hurt you, how it has affected you. Phase three is the dialogue to understanding. So you're trying to understand why that person did what they did. And so if your your partner, your spouse has had an affair, you want to talk with them about why that happened, how that came to be. If someone stole money from you, maybe one of your employees stole money from you, you might want to have a conversation about trying to understand why they did that. And again, if that person isn't available to you, that may be a conversation that you have uh, with a therapist or a close friend. Step four or phase four is the actual forgiveness, the act of forgiving. And phase five then is the letting go, truly leaving it in the past. Some really interesting information in the the book of forgiving um, that we're going to talk about in a little bit that uh, is helpful to think about this. But let me run through those phases again. Identifying the hurt, not just the action or the thing that happened. Confronting, so what happened, why, like how do you feel, and um, what that action and that hurt has done to you. Dialogue to the understanding, the actual forgive forgiving, and the letting go. So now moving into this book, the book of forgiving, he talks about forgiveness with strings attached becomes the chains that bind you. Rather, unconditional forgiveness is key. So that fits with that piece about releasing it and about letting it go because we can't allege that we have forgiven someone and then still harbor all that anger and all that resentment because then we're just continue to be bound to that thing that happened to the past. So let me say what he says again. Forgiveness with strings attached become the chains that bind you. Rather, unconditional forgiveness is the key. And that forgiveness offers freedom from the past, from the perpetrator, and from future victimization. That's powerful. That's very, very powerful. And it's so important to acknowledge that forgiveness is not weakness. It's not easy. It's not forgetting. It requires strength and courage. It takes hard work. And I love this. It requires fearless remembering of the hurt. So we remembered what happened, and we remember how we felt in that situation. But we do it in a fearless way where we don't allow it to hold us back from living our lives. Mm. It's not forgetting. It requires a fearless remembering of that hurt. So interesting. So what do you have to release in order to forgive? You have to release your wish to revenge or punish. You have to release an expectation that that person will feel sorry or guilty or will apologize. 
you have to release wanting agreement by the wrongdoer that what they did was wrong. You might have to release the support of friends in your anger or in your frustration. Other people may not understand how you're feeling or why you were offended or why something really shook you to the core. And the truth of it is that doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter that other people don't understand. Your feelings are not wrong. But you have a decision to make about staying in the stuckness of the hurt and the rage and the anger and the resentment or being able to make a choice to move forward. Tutu talks a lot about this walk in the revenge cycle or the forgiveness cycle. That you have the choice to walk in the revenge cycle where you reject your pain and suffering. Or you can choose to walk in the forgiveness cycle where you face your pain and suffering. Hmm. You know, there's some phrase, I'm sure I won't get it right here, but this sense of that, you know, when you're a little kid and you feel like there's a monster under the bed or something scary in the dark corner of your room, your imagination can really take that and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And the longer that that thing stays in the dark, the more your your imagination and your brain turn it into something that it might not even be. But then as soon as we flip the light switch on and we see what it really is or that nothing's there at all, all of a sudden it's not so scary. And so that's what I see is this rejecting your pain and suffering, acting like it isn't there or staying in the anger because anger is easier than being hurt or disappointed or sad is like staying in the dark. Facing the pain and the suffering is not going to be easy, but that's like standing in the light. I talk to my coaching clients all the time about if you pretend that your issue is like a weed, right, like a dandelion or some other kind of weed, most of us live in a world and in a life where we just keep using the lawnmower and mowing over it and just cut it off and cut it off and cut it off. And what happens? It just grows right on back sometimes in multiples, right? It just grows and grows and it keeps showing up and it keeps reappearing. The only way that we actually manage that weed, that issue, that concern, is to dig it out by the roots. To dig it out by the roots. And the only way that we deal with an issue, the weed, the problem, is to face it, figure out how big it is, and dig it out by the roots. I would argue that that's a lot of what counseling is. It's about getting to the root of the issue and being able to unearth it slowly and steadily so that you're dealing with the root and not just the symptom of the root. Hmm, I hope that makes sense. So Tutu talks about a forgiveness cycle. So he says that there's this sort of violence or cruelty that happens, which leads to hurt or harm or loss, which leads to pain, which leads to choosing to heal. Then if you choose to heal, if you choose to move forward, 
and to not stay stuck in the situation or in the past, there are four things that happen. First, you tell the story. Second, you name the hurt. Third, you grant forgiveness. And fourth, you renew or release the relationship. Now, that sounds strikingly similar to these five phases of forgiveness that we talked about. Remember, they said identify the hurt, confront the person or the issue, dialogue to understanding, forgive and let go. Tutu talks about telling the story, naming the hurt, granting forgiveness, and renewing or releasing the relationship. So the first step, tell the truth. Stick to the facts. It's most effective if you're able to tell your offender, so your spouse that has cheated, your staff member who has stolen money from you, um, maybe someone who has wrecked your car. And so it's most effective if you can talk tell the truth and, and tell the story to your offender directly or via a letter. You can tell it publicly. So, um, you know, I think about some of the, the, the mass shootings we've had here in the United States. And often the families of the victims tell the story of the victim. And the police tell the story of the day. They tell it publicly because they build a foundation to raise money for that issue. Or they want to share what their loved one brought to the world. They tell the story because they don't want people to forget. They want us to learn from the situation that happened. So they tell the story publicly. You can tell trusted friends or seek professional support. And if you're not ready yet to tell that story to friends, to a professional out in public, write it in your journal. Tell the story to yourself. Let it out. Shine a light on it. The second step then is name the hurt. Ignoring it makes it bigger, scarier, harder to manage, heavier. You may certainly experience grief, the loss of the loved one, the loss of the innocence, the loss of your sense of safety, the loss of the item or the money that someone stole from you. You may absolutely grieve in this situation, and absolutely no feeling is wrong. You have a right to all of your feelings. One of the things I've told my counselor when I started with her, because I you know, I have a counseling degree. I've been in and out of counseling my whole life. I also am a huge advocate of, of counseling. And I also am very, very acutely aware that not every counselor is a good fit for every client. And that that's a two-way street, right, that that uh, similar to getting a job offer and deciding if you're going to take it or not or, or being in an interview, the company is interviewing you to work there, and you are interviewing the company as to whether you want to work there. Is that a place you'd like to spend some time? Can you believe in their mission, et cetera, et cetera? I believe that the counseling thing is very similar to that, that I want to trust that person's credentials. I want to know their methods. Are they very warm and loving? Are they uh, colder and more distant? 
Um, do they really focus on feelings? Do they focus more on, on your cognition and your thought processes? Are they some combination? Do they have a certain expertise in something or another? And so one of the things I know that's true for me, and, and whenever I call a new counselor or if I move and I have to find someone new, I call them and I say, I'm very brainy. I'm very cognitive. And so I need help finding the words that name what's happening to me before I'm able to feel it. It's like my brain has to get working and has to find the right words before I can drive that sort of thought process down into my heart and to figure out how I actually feel about it. And sometimes even naming the feeling, articulating exactly the word that aligns with how I'm feeling can be really, really helpful. So finding those words helps us to process and understand, which is also why it's imperative that we name the hurt. We're charged with processing all that we've lost and the feelings associated with those losses. Again, it might be a loss of trust or safety, love, dignity, a person, a possession, you have to be able to get clear about what all you've lost and how it feels to experience each of those losses. Hmm. Step three in the forgiveness cycle, granting forgiveness. You have to choose to forgive. We talked about that earlier, that cognitive level of forgiveness. Choosing to forgive. Recognizing that we are part of a shared humanity that we are all capable of hurting one another. We are all capable of hurting one another, intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe we make a joke that is really offensive to someone. Or we get in a car accident and we hurt someone. You know, maybe, maybe we make a remark that we thought was perfectly innocent and someone else is hurt by that. Or we don't return a phone call and someone takes that personally. We are all quite capable of hurting one another. So step three, granting forgiveness. And then step four, renewing or releasing the relationship. Hmm, yet another choice we have. Are we going to renew the relationship with our offender or are we going to release that relationship? That's a difficult question. So we have to ask for what we need from the offenders or maybe other people in our lives. We have to determine whether our offender is willing, able, capable of providing what we need. And the releasing means letting go without ill will. So if we're going to choose to release that relationship, the only way that we know that we've actually forgiven someone when we release the relationship is that we don't feel any ill will toward them. Wow. That. That would be a challenge for an awful lot of people in an awful lot of situations. So maybe your partner has cheated. and Maybe you've worked through counseling. Maybe, you know, they've explained what happened and why it happened. They promised to never do it again. You have a choice to make. Do you want to stay engaged and keep working on that relationship? Or do you want to say, 
that is a choice you had the right to make and you made it and I am unable to renew this relationship. I wish you love and peace and success in your life and I'm going forward in my life to seek those things for myself. Be really clear, though, that if you renew a relationship, so you have the option to release the relationship, but if you renew the relationship, it means a new relationship happens. You cannot go back to the relationship that existed before. Renewing means a new relationship is being built. You cannot go back to what was there before. I have to say for myself, the relationships that I've had struggles in, but where we both valued the relationship and worked through the difficulty, those are the strongest, best relationships I have. For me and my experience, if a relationship never has those bumps in the road, then it's probably a pretty surface-level relationship, and those are potentially not going to be the ones that are around for months or years into your life. I think about some friends I had back in my undergraduate college days, and we all happened to live on the same floor, and it was an all-women's residence hall, and so, um, you know, we were together an awful lot, and, and there were issues. There were arguments and fights and disagreements. And, you know, at this point, I have no <laughs> no idea what those fights or arguments or disagreements are, were about, but I'm sure they felt really important to us at 18 and 19 and 20 years old. But I'll tell you, those women are my friends to this day because we worked through the argument, the disagreement. We worked through being offended by one another. We made amends, and we chose to renew the relationship and I would argue that the relationship was stronger because of the difficulty in working through it than had it never happened at all. So for me, some of the, my strongest relationships are renewed relationships. Hmm. So we're coming into the home stretch here, and we just talked about how we are all capable of mistreating one another, offending one another, hurting one another's feelings. And so sometimes we are the ones that need that forgiveness. We need the forgiveness. There's a quote in the book of forgiving I want to read to you. So on page 169, it says, quote, When I harm another, whether intentionally or not, I inevitably harm myself. I become less than I am meant to be. I become less than I am capable of being. When I harm another, I need to restore what I have taken from that person or make a gesture of recompense. I need to restore what I have lost within myself through my harmful words or actions. Hmm. So if we are the one in the wrong... we may request or, or need or wish for the forgiveness of another. But it's more complicated than that because we may have so, so disappointed ourselves 
that we need some forgiveness for ourselves. Hmm. And so there are some steps here that he includes in the book. One, admit what you have done wrong using I statements. Be willing to answer any and all questions by the victim about what you've done. For example, cheating. If you cheated on your partner or your spouse and they have questions, you should be willing to answer any and all questions. Number two, witness the anger and apologize. Don't argue. Listen. Do not justify your actions. Answer all their questions honestly. Say those three very simple words. I am sorry. Say it genuinely and mean it. Write a letter. Do it face-to-face. Perhaps if you need forgiveness from someone who has passed away, maybe you do that at the cemetery at their headstone. Step three, ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? They may not want to or they may not be able to, but asking for that forgiveness is what helps you heal. So they're choosing not to forgive you or because they've passed or they're incarcerated or, or whatever the situation is, they're not able to offer you that forgiveness. They're not forgiving you doesn't stop your ability to heal. Hmm. Make amends. Return that stolen property. Attend counseling. Stop drinking or drugging. Do the things that the person you offended is asking for from you if you're able to do them. And step four, there is also this process of renewing or releasing the relationship, moving forward free of the past, and it can be their choice or yours to renew or release the relationship. And finally, this piece of self-forgiving, man, it can be harder to forgive yourself than other people. Harder to forgive yourself than other people. We hold ourselves often to a higher standard. Again, you're encouraged to differentiate the actions from the person. So to understand that you may have done something bad, you may have done something wrong, but you are not bad. And then, of course, we get into the sense of shame and guilt that many of us feel if we've offended someone. And... Boy, there's a whole bunch of books by Brene Brown (laughs) that you can get and read about shame and guilt and wholehearted living and about healing. This is such powerful, powerful stuff. I see that we have a caller, someone with the area code of 347. I'll click to let you in, see what you have to say about this. Hello. No. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. Hi there. What are you thinking about what I have to say today? Well, uh, well, I just got on the call, and um, I really wasn't – I was just going to try to listen in, but, you know, when you carry so much information, <laughs> you're compelled <laughs> to speak on it. So uh, you, you speak about forgiveness, and you're right. Um, I think it – I think it really uh, – it's very imper- imperative that one uh, b- forgive themselves. Forgive themselves. 
and the only reason why we don't forgive ourselves, and I'm only speaking from experience, is because we don't have an, a relationship with ourselves. We don't have mm. a, a positive, uh, um, reasonable, logical dialogue with ourselves. We don't know who we are. Yeah. So, yeah. Therefore, we don't know that we are connected to the other individual. So Mm -hmm. we don't know that we're wounding ourselves when we wound another. We don't know Mm -hmm. that. And and that's why it's so important to know thyself. And if we can get to a place where we can fall back in love with ourselves, reestablish, restore, and perfect that relationship, forgiveness would not be an issue. It wouldn't be I love that. Yeah, we don't have a lot of love for ourselves, and I don't think that we often have a lot of patience for ourselves. And and I've often heard counselors and other people say that we should treat ourselves the way we would treat a young child that we love. We have patience. They're allowed to make mistakes. We understand that they're learning and they're growing and and that they need nurture and they need love and they need support, and sometimes we can be so very hard on ourselves and call ourselves names, and we expect things of ourselves that we wouldn't expect of others, and and you're absolutely right. That does not serve us well. True. It does not serve us well. Well, let me read you a, a, maybe you heard the quote, but it speaks exactly to what you were just saying. There's a quote in the Desmond Tutu book. It says, when I harm another, whether intentionally or not, I inevitably harm myself. I become less than I am meant to be. I become less than I am capable of being. When I harm another, I need to restore what I have taken from that person or make a gesture of recompense. I need to restore what I have lost within myself through my harmful words or actions. Does that speak to part of what you were saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it all begins and ends with you. You know, it begins and ends with the the beholder, the one who is doing the unforgiveness. Um, once we reestablish that relationship within ourselves, then we can go forth and genuinely with a sense of authentic, of being authentic, we mm-hmm. can forgive another. And not only that, the other individual, they will receive that forgiveness because it's coming from a place of being authentic and genuine genuine, and with unconditional love. So it's a, it's, it's a heavy yoke, but it, it, it is not impossible. You know, it, it's, it's not impossible. And once we practice, we have to practice, practice, practice. <laughs> we have to practice mm-hmm. that on a day-to-day basis. And um, it can be done. It can be done. Do you have a story of forgiving someone or of receiving forgiveness that you'd be willing to share? Um, Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think this is one of my most, is that uh, at the age of 13, well, let me take you way back to when I was three. I was adopted. I was adopted by my stepfather, not by my mother, but my stepfather. And, I mean, he 
he had he had a very he had a very cruel way about himself, a rudeness about himself, and a lot of that was re, uh, manifested on how he treated my mother. Well, when I became thirteen, he decided to assault and rape and violate me. Now, mm-hmm. this is a man who took me into his his lineage by adoption, treated me as a child. So you can imagine what was going through my mind. I mean, sure. all kinds of things was going through my mind. But I tell you this, the day that I had to go to court, it's almost like, and I'm standing in the courtyard getting ready to go into the courthouse to testify against this man. Mm-hmm. Um, standing in that courtyard, I just had this resounding peace to come over me and say, forgive him, for he knew not what he was doing. He was mm-hmm. not in his right mind. And when mm-hmm. I embraced that, it was done. It was done. Whatever the universe, whatever the laws of the universe wanted to do with that situation, it was completely out of my hands. I had done mm-hmm. my part. And like I said, you know, I, I he's, he's no longer living today, but I forgave him because I recognized that he was not in his righteous divine mind. He wasn't in his right mind. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we had talked about one of the things I shared maybe before you jumped on the call was the three levels of forgiveness, cognitive, emotional, and spiritual. And so what I really mm-hmm. hear you saying is that in that moment as you're facing, you're looking at the courthouse, you're ready to go in and testify, and you're thinking about all these awful, heinous things that this person that you loved and trusted had done to you as a young person and all the things he took from you as a young person, you went through that spiritual level of forgiveness and you turned it over and you said, this is out of my hands, and he was out of his mind. He's got his own stuff he's got to deal with, and it isn't mm-hmm. worth me carrying this weight and this burden anymore. I'm turning it over. I'm turning it over. Yeah, it's almost like walking through the fire. It's a, you know, and it's a part, and I will say this, whenever, whenever you are on a spiritual path and you are aware that you are on this spiritual path, there are certain things that you're going to go through that will be somewhat of an initiation. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, it's just like walking through the fire. You, you have to walk through that fire and be purified, you know, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah. I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday along the lines of what you're saying. And, again, I'm sure I'll screw the quote up. But somebody said, you know, it takes pressure to make a diamond, right? But there have to be these things that we go through in order to truly uh, mold us and prepare us and, and, like, to make us beautiful, right, to to make us our best selves because – we can learn in all sorts of ways, but there is something about learning from when we fall, learning from the challenges, learning from when we screw up mm-hmm. that is 
seems almost more profound than the learning we would have any other time. So when you screw up, when you make an error, when you need forgiveness, when you forgive someone else, those really difficult emotional things that we go through, mm-hmm. that's yes. what makes us better people. Mm-hmm. True. And so well, tell me your first name. I didn't let, get to let you introduce yourself. Tell me your first name. Well, I go by Sankofa, Sankofa Infinity. Well, it's very nice to meet you. I'm so, so glad that you called, and I am so very sorry that you went through what you went through as a young person. I don't know if you've ever listened to my shows before, but I used to be the executive director of a a domestic violence program at Shelter, and so um, I've talked to many, 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 many people who have been through what you have been through, and um, there are fewer things, few things harder than what you went through, and so I'm, I'm very, very sorry that that happened to you. And, um, man, you sound so resilient. You've come out on the other side of it strong and warm and caring and loving and knowledgeable and informed. And it really sounds like that you've been able to forgive and to leave the past in the past. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You know, time is impeccable. You know, it's just impeccable. But um, well, great, and I'll um, I'll go ahead and mute you again. But I I hope I'm on. I have a if you're on Facebook, I have a business Facebook page, Grounded Vision Coaching and Consulting. I hope you'll find me and like the page, and we can keep chatting. It was wonderful to meet and chat with you. Okay, very well. You too. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, man. How wonderful was that? So wonderful to have someone call in, and what an incredible story of survivorship she has and in hearing from her and in working with all the clients that I used to work with oh man it gives me chills right now because I think if you can forgive someone that has offended you so intimately and particularly as a child if these women and men are able to forgive their offender their abuser people that they trusted, people that they loved, people that they respected, if they can forgive their offender, then all of the rest of us are capable of forgiving far less intense offenses. Hmm. And I love what she said, the timing is impeccable. We all get to hear and have interactions with people and and learn from things that are in the perfect timing for our lives. Hmm. I'm so glad she called. This uh her call and her story are gonna sit with me. They're gonna sit with me today and into the future. As I said, she's so resilient, so strong, so warm, so able to focus on today and tomorrow. And I would just encourage us, it does us no good to stay stuck in the past. It does us no good to drink that poison and expect the other person to get sick. We get sick. We stay sick. Hmm. So I'll close again with a definition of forgiveness, that it is a verb. It takes action. It takes courage. It takes strength. 
It means to pardon an offense or offender, to cease to feel resentment against someone, to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, or a mistake. Free yourself. Free yourself from that offender, from the offense, from the past. Free yourself from feeling victimized today and into the future. Free yourself so that you can live your best life. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for calling. Again, my name is Dr. Nikki Tobias. You can find me on Facebook at Grounded Vision Coaching and Consulting, G-R-O-U-N-D-E-D, Vision Coaching Consulting. You'll know it's my page because my logo has a beautiful giraffe and a horizon in. We're grounding your vision and your reality. I will talk to you all again soon. I hope to hear from you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.